Hi, this is Jennifer Rubin from Nightmare on Elm Street. Taryn, I'm beautiful and bad, and you're listening to Geeks of the Industry. Hypnoanalysis offers the quickest method of probing the subconscious. First, Vicky will be placed under hypnosis. How do you do that? Well, there are many ways and methods. We intend to use a mechanical device, such as this one here. Neither. But you know everything else about me, don't you? Don't you? You dissect me like a worm, all of you. Every Tuesday and Thursday, right? Tuesdays and Thursdays, you slice me up, you and your disgusting little group. Psychopath, psychopath, leaving no clue. What man can guess what next you will do? No, the doctors took them all away. Along with everything else. It's like another case of looking for a needle in a haystack, sir. That dog's our needle. If you shoot somebody in the head with a 45 every time you kill somebody, it becomes like your fingerprint, see? But if you strangle one and stab another, and when you cut up, when you don't, then the police don't know what to do. They think you're four different people. What they really are. What makes their job so much easier? A pattern. What they call a modus operandi. That's Latin. Bet you didn't know any Latin, did you? Big fucking deal. What? Nothing. It's like a trail of shit, Otis. It's like the blood droppings from a deer you've shot. And all they gotta do is follow those droppings, and uh, pretty soon they're gonna find their deer. Greetings, fellow insomniacs, and welcome to another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on GeeksOfTheIndustry.com. I'm your host, my name is Chunky Larry, and in 1985, following the collapse of a pro wrestling documentary, director John McNaughton had a $100,000 budget create a horror film. Inspired by an episode of 2020, McNaughton teamed with co-writer Richard Fire to craft a fictional depiction of infamous serial killer Henry Lee Lucas's Reign of Terror. 
implementing every corner cutting technique at his disposal and Michael Rooker's breathtaking commitment to character, the picture would startle and intrigue audiences for generations. On September 21, 1986, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer was released, giving filmgoers something real. Otis, plug it in. Did you really kill your mama? What? Did you really kill your mama? I guess I did. She must have treated you real bad. She was a whore. Dance naked? Sure, all the time around town. Otis. Best little naked dancer you ever saw. You never. You telling me you never killed anybody before? I ain't saying that. Open your eyes, Otis. Look at the world. It's either you or them. You know what I mean. Do that, Otis. She's your sister. I feel like I know you. Like like I've known you for a long time. I feel like I've known you forever and ever. It's like the blood droppings from a deer you've shot. And all they gotta do is follow those droppings and uh, pretty soon they're gonna find that deer. I ain't interrupting this man. <laughs> See it again. This week on the show, we are wrapping up the theme of March Madness. And I realized uh, last year when we were doing March Madness, we closed with uh, Maniac. And this film feels almost like it's familial in the sense that um, there are a lot of reoccurring themes within this film that were in Film Maniac. Uh, it wasn't intentional, it wasn't by design, but it was a happy accident that I'm happy to exploit. Uh, we will, of course, be talking about the 1986 film, Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. And in order to have this conversation, in order to close this month, I wanted to bring somebody on that I fucking adore. Uh, a person, a human, a 
podcaster, a fucking just downright brilliant young man who I always enjoy having fun conversations with. And I'm, of course, talking about Thelonious Punk KSC. How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. I yeah. always love your intros. You always, you always uh, pick me up sufficiently. Yeah, well, you know, uh, we we haven't done this in a while, and I, and I, I miss you, man. <laughs> oh, buddy! <laughs> I know, man, it's been a minute, huh? It's, it's, I think the last time we did this was uh, Slumber Party Massacre, right? Shit, that was a while ago. Yeah, it was December, guy. Right. December yeah. slash January, uh, yeah, depending on <laughs> when it was actually released. But yeah, it's, it's been a while. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm absolutely happy to have you back on the show. Uh, you know, shouldn't stay gone this long. But I know that you've been out in the world tearing it up with fucking Shit Film Sunday 2, Shit Harder. Yeah, man. Um, shit that. Film Sunday 2 has <laughs> been going from strength to strength um me and Bryn every week talking shit films it's been a lot of fun actually so yeah um, and it's it's fun hearing the show back because i remember you know being a big fan of shit film sunday uh when you guys were doing it before you were on geeksoftheindustry.com <laughs> and, and i was like oh that seems like a show that should be on geeksoftheindustry.com <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now it is on geeksoftheindustry.com. It is indeed uh, exclusively available on geeksoftheindustry.com. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed the selections that you guys have used or you know, implemented in this second season of the show. And it's just, you know, because I've always been a supporter of, you know, other podcasts and podcasters i always you know enjoy seeing other podcasters you know flexing that creative muscle um so it's it's really refreshing at least for me which was kind of the reason that we did the whole uh fucking uh month where we did the bad movies was just kind of me trying to prompt you to get back into it and um you know i'm i'm really glad that uh, that was the inspiration for you guys to return because it's been an enjoyable uh, listen. It's it's a regular listen for me Sunday mornings. Or well, it is, it is almost entirely your fault. You basically bullied me into doing it again. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you better be fucking listening, quite honestly. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I, you know I do. And um, I, I've found out about movies that I hadn't seen and you know that's that's i believe msr said it on one of the most recent episodes of uh, geeks on film they watch the bad movies so you don't have to <laughs> that's, that's basically it yeah and it's been a lot of fun so um yeah man we're gonna be talking about a movie that i don't consider bad at all and a lot of the times oh. that i uh, have you on you know it's usually for really awful shitty fucking movies um, yeah. But that's not the case with this film, and and we'll we'll get into it. But that kind of gives away where we're probably going to land, Reaper wise. Um, but before we can get into the film, we have to go by tradition, 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 and uh, break down the synopsis for Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. Now I, I went onto the IMDb's as I do, 
And I like to cite the names, as I do. Um, so I found somebody who cited their name and didn't write a fucking novel. Um, just a paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> and his name is Gary KMCD. Good work, Gary. Yeah, let's hear, let's hear what Gary has to say. Uh, loosely based on serial killer Henry Lee Lucas, the film follows Henry and his roommate Otis, who Henry introduces to murdering randomly selected people. The killing spree depicted in the film starts after Otis's sister Becky comes to stay with them. The people they kill are strangers, and in one particularly gruesome attack, kill all three members of a family during a home invasion. Henry lacks compassion in everything he does, and isn't the kind to leave behind witnesses of any kind. <laughs> okay, okay, Gary. <laughs> okay. Uh, what I will say is that, you know, this film, uh, you know, it's directed by John McNaughton, and, mm-hmm. you know, he is, he, he's, you know, just one of those guys that did really random fucking, like, his, his filmography bounces all over the fucking place. Yeah. And, uh... He did, he did wild things, didn't he? He sure did. Uh, Jesus, He dude. sure did. And Girls in Prison. Uh, he also mm-hmm. did Mad Dog and Glory. <laughs> so... What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a really eclectic filmmaker. And the... I don't know if this was his personal choice or if it was an editing decision, but they do this thing in the first, I'd say, 30 minutes of the film. Uh-huh. I, I'd say about the first 30 minutes where they just have Henry in just random situations, and then, it, like, it's punctuated by just a photo of somebody dead and the sounds of the person being murdered. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on first viewing, this isn't a first view for me, I had said that, you know, all of the film's... Uh, this month were first views. This is actually the only one that wasn't. I I watched this movie for the first time when I was 13. And, wow. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was when I had started to really, um, I and I've talked about my friend Eric that lived in Santa Cruz, um, who really kind of got me into the Italian horror stuff. But we were we were constantly trying to one up each other with with fucked up movies, and <laughs> um, you know I found this one just kind of on my you know video store excursion because again you know when we went to video stores we were looking for the ones that that seemed like the most crude and and awful fucking movies that I, I feel is very um, very much a prepubescent kind of. Uh, desire yeah and so this one you know it was one of those that I found just kind of in my wanderings and it you know we I watched it and I was just like as soon as I saw it I was like oh I can't wait to go to Santa Cruz (laughs) and I I fucking just with just the the biggest smile on my face you know 
walked into his house with the VHS blockbuster rental of uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, and I thought I was doing some shit. He was like, dude, here. <laughs> 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 he had an uncut version, which was even harder, like, even more rough, and it just, you know, it's, it's a fucking brutal movie. Um, it is, but it's not a graphic movie. There's there's moments it where has it's... It's, it has its moments, but for a film called Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, it's not the hack and slash fest that you think you're going to be getting going in. I don't think so. I uh, you know it, it's it's, a, it's to me it's it's much more yes it's much more the nature of the performances yeah. Michael Rooker just gives and and I tried to tell him this uh, when I met him but he was too preoccupied with trying to like gawk at my wife <laughs> you know that's that's just the way that he is and it is what it is or whatever but I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm just you know I'm trying to tell him you know oh dude if fucking Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer is a goddamn masterpiece and this that, and the other he's just like yeah hey, whatever fucking you just you just stand in the background and me your wife and your sister are going to be in the foreground <laughs> it's just like okay uh, you know i'm the only fan of yours that's here right <laughs> yeah but you ain't got the teeth yeah well, you do it you do but... yeah but not the kind he's into no uh, <laughs> yeah but you know aside from fucking Rooker's performance Tom Towles who plays Otis in this fucking movie is uh -huh. goddamn amazing like he, he is the, the most authentic serial killer that I've ever fucking seen in like as far as a portrayal is concerned it, it, it feels the most authentic in the sense that it's not it's not played up for the film like he, he seems like like somebody you would actually run into, you know, he's playful, he's, he's, you know, light-spirited, but he has that darkness there. That slight edge of creepy fucker to him. Yeah, and, you know, the, the stuff that he does where he's working at the gas station and he's selling the dude weed, <laughs> that he, he's, he's going to smoke the, the joint with the dude and he fucking tries to grab his dick. He gets punched in the nose like... That, that scene just it's it's perfect dude it, it, it is it's again it's baffling that he didn't really work much yeah, yeah. Well, compared to like Michael Rooker who's who's in everything mm -hmm. um, yeah I mean it's amazing that he didn't pick up more work uh, you know he's he's really great in the Night of the Living Dead remake and he was also really fucking solid in uh, House of a Thousand Corpses yeah true enough and, uh, but, but why was he in House of the Because of Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Totally. Yeah. Totally. That was, that was like Rob Zombie's fanboy lip service. Yeah. Uh, well, um, I mean, that whole film is. Yeah, totally. Um, so, but, you know, it's amazing that he didn't get, like, more work. Just, yeah. just, and and not, just, not just that kind of thing. I, I think he, he had... Um, capability to show range as well is yeah absolutely crazy um because you're right he, he just 
he just has this layer of creepy fucker to him that <laughs> just just pervades throughout the film. I, I really I really like his performance. And and again, you know, the the thing that I really enjoy about Tom Tallis in this film is that he's not doing you know, he's not playing it as a killer, he's playing it just as, you know, a podunk chucklehead. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's to me, one of the things that hasn't really been represented. Like, when you look at Hannibal Lecter, he, from Jump Street, you think, oh no, that guy's a fucking murderer. But, you know, Otis seems just like some dude that works at a gas station probably mm -hmm. what reads a bunch of porn mags and you know has has yeah has some pretty shady shit in his search history yeah but it, it's it's not on the surface is the thing mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and i feel that a lot of the time when an actor goes into a role they they have that information they're informed by that one kernel and then their performance is informed by that one kernel you know yeah. and and that's not the approach that he took with it and you know he just he was an amazing actor that is absolutely in my opinion missed from cinema just he's just one of the true just like organic performers that didn't get his day and you know i just i could i could talk about his relationship with becky until i'm blue in the face because it, it again also feels very real very natural uh -huh. mm -hmm. and yeah. you know the the perf like and and it's the duality of those two characters henry and otis because Henry is an introvert, Otis is an extrovert, mm -hmm. and, you know, Henry is kind, or at least he, he per, you know, purveys himself as being kind, where Otis is just a, an asshole. Yeah. He, he gets off on being a dick to people. Yeah. If you were to look at it at face value, what, like, what, what, I mean, the relationship is one of these people's, uh, one of these guys is the ringleader and the other guy's basically being led around and coerced into doing this stuff you would totally have it if you looked at them at face value you would totally have it the other way around to how it actually is right? but Henry's basically leading this chuckle headed fuck around and getting him to basically join in with his murders but if you were to look at it, if you were to look at it in terms of like their kind of social mobility, you you kind of think of it as being it would be Otis that would be the one that would be taking the kind the kind of introverted guy out and making him do shit that he didn't necessarily want to do. Except for when they are interacting, and Henry shuts his shit down constantly. Yeah. Well, there's like a there's a history of them. Um, they were in prison together. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the that's the kind of the introduction, isn't it? They were in jail together. So you kind of get the impression that either Henry looked after Otis in jail, or Henry pitched out Otis in jail. Uh, I, I would assume down. it's the looked out because 
Henry feels very asexual. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in, in every situation, it doesn't seem like that's even on his radar. His sexuality, it, it doesn't. You know, he doesn't lean one way or the other. He, he's, you know, he's very much just a creature of habit. Yeah. And yeah. he has figured out the way to survive and exist. He's like a shark mm-hmm. in, in the sense that, you know, he constantly has to move forward. And if you are unfortunate enough to get in his eyeline, he is going to tear you apart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's his, his only motive. And it seems like the character Becky is almost being used as a tether to mm-hmm. a world that he may have wanted to be a part of but never truly belonged to and yeah and you look at you know like and that's the, kind of illustrated by the ending really isn't it yeah it, where you know it, like the the fucking rape scene is mm-hmm. so upsetting because you know it's coming you could smell it the second that henry says he's leaving and you know the, their conversation where she's having a conversation with Henry uh, when she first meets him and she asks him about him killing his mom you know because she tells him about how her dad fucking made her you know show him herself and yeah. uh, how she was afraid about being pregnant and then you know she asks him about killing his mom and he mm-hmm. tells her this just fucking god awful story, uh, and you know, which is very close to what actually happened to the real Henry Lee Lucas, the whole the whole matricide thing. Um, Didn't his mom uh, take his eye, his left eye? Yeah, yeah. And he had a glass eye, and he was very you know particular about it, and you know. That, that was one of the motivating factors with, you know, the reason that he selected the people that he selected. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's really interesting about um, Lucas is he claimed responsibility for a load of murders that he didn't even actually do. And as a result, rather than kind of, rather than saying, no, you didn't do these, that this is, this is, you know because he contradicted himself constantly mm. um rather than saying like you know you didn't do that um the various kind of law enforcement authorities across all the states which he was confessing to these murders um uh, instead of instead of saying no you didn't do that they all they all kind of jumped in with yes you did and you did this other case that we've been trying to solve for like 20 odd years and th- and this case and they basically just piled a bunch of unsolved murders on uh, on Henry Lee Lucas, so um, he's got a, a far more um, bigger reputation for infamy than he probably deserves, um, just because like yeah the the various kind of law enforcement agencies across the country were just piling fucking unsolved cases on him to get them off their desks. And you look at the again going back to that same scene, the way that he talks about killing his mom. You know, he says that he killed her one way, and then at the end of the story, he says he kills her a different way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, he can't keep his story straight. 
and that's that's absolutely what had happened and mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know the thing that is really intriguing to me is that at one point you know he'll look like he's this criminal mastermind you know when he's when he's sitting there and him and Otis are watching these homeless guys just beat the shit out of somebody and Otis is videotaping it he's explaining to him you know if in one situation you use a knife you don't use a knife in the next one you know you use a gun you don't use the same gun more than once and you know you you don't want to tie these things back to you 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 have to make it different or else you develop a trail that will lead back to you and like that's way too intelligent for somebody that can't decide whether he stabbed or shot his mom (laughs) you know what i mean like so so his character is conflicting because you never really get a gauge as to what's real in his mind I, I kind of the impression that I always come away with is that his his attacks are pretty frenzied and pretty random and that's basically like his that's his ego escaping mm-hmm. because the rest of the time he's so locked down and so buttoned down something about these people just you know just sets off a trigger in him and he just frenzies and he just fucking kills someone and then he's right back to he doesn't know how he did it he doesn't know why he did it it just happens and then he's just left left with the body you know and that's that's the kind of the impression that I got and that's really why he when people ask him about like how he murdered his mother for example mm-hmm. it's not that he's making up a story he just genuinely doesn't know and you know i i would go so far as to say that that was the thing that they got the best you know they got the most right was that there was no there was no through line with him it was all just acting you know, yeah. not reacting just acting yeah. And not not acting as in I'm putting on a performance, but acting, just just action, mm-hmm. and you know whatever fit the moment, you know, and and, and that's why it seems at the beginning that it's just random violence, just out of the blue, because that's the way that it was. It wasn't something that he perpetrated or or planned. It was just just a compulsion that took over. And it would happen. And he, he knew enough to, you know, keep moving on. And never, mm-hmm. you know, never staying Dang. still. Don't stay still, because you drown. Like a shark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the scenes of violence I just want to bring up. The, the TV, uh, the scene where they're in the TV shop... Mm-hmm. Fucking a, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like th- that. There's there's three really like severely violent moments. The the TV shop, uh, Otis's death, and uh, the scene that they videotape that Otis keeps watching over and over again. You don't see a lot happen in that scene, but it's just it's maliciously violent. Yeah. And 
What's what's really interesting about that is when he tells Otis to um, plug the TV in, turn the TV on, mm-hmm. and that's clearly for that's clearly for yucks. You know, that's for shits and giggles. He's dead. Mm. That's clearly for yucks. That's clearly for shits and giggles. That's that's clearly a kind of like I know, fuck it, turn the telly on. But the way he, the way he says it and the way he tells him to do it, it's like it's just so cold emotionless about something that is just basically you know quite clearly just something to amuse himself with but it's delivered in such a way that it's, it's almost like that's the next thing that has to happen and that's the now turn it on you know it, and it and that just kind of speaks to his kind of his detachment from the whole thing but at the same time his the pleasure that he clearly seeks in in, in doing what he does interesting uh, yeah um any other thoughts about the movie or Henry Lee Lucas that you want to get out there man I I I watched this film a long time ago and it's it's one of those films that I I kind of I barely I barely remembered anything about it I remember it being really creepy as fuck mm-hmm. um and like I said at the start there's nothing overly gruesome really it has its moments but for the most part of the film there isn't anything overly gruesome it's just there's just that layer of kind of seediness and um menace to the whole thing uh, i liken it in part in terms of like the character portrayals have you ever seen the movie gummo yes you, you kind of it sounds like a terrible thing to say but you're kind of you're watching um hopeless people and i think that is that is a very you know that's a kind of pervading theme in this in terms of the characters in this film like the cent- the three central characters is they there is a, a degree of hopelessness that you feel for and the only hope that you really see in any character is um uh, the sisters becky got a daughter yeah becky has becky and her daughter and, and she and she ends up fucking dead at the end anyway yeah uh one thing i did want to bring up because i i again i haven't watched this movie in a long time much like you uh it's just it's one that's so fucking bleak that you know when when you get into it you just you want to get away from it and you know try to kind of uh, wrench yourself of it, you know, because things that I enjoyed when I was a teenager, I don't enjoy as much now. I'm not as, you know, like I, I, I was really obsessed with, uh, serial killers and true crime when I was a teenager. Now Mm -hmm. as a parent, I I think that shit's fucking disgusting. And, you know, I, I don't like the, the fucking hero worship for these fucking assholes animals you know i think i think that's a kind of a a, i think that's a generational thing yeah i think i think there was there was kind of a there was kind of a phase around about when we were that age of of like glorifying yes like you say serial killers and in the uk i don't know if it was something that kind of translated across the Atlantic but in the UK there was a there was a, a very strong trend at the same time for kind of glorifying um, like East End mobster guys you know like kind of hitmen for 
the East End mob and stuff yeah. like that. And, and, and it was around the same kind of time that there was this kind of hero worship for, you know, as you say, pretty shitty people that I don't think exists to, uh, exists today, thankfully. Uh, I mean, you know, people who fucking, like, bought the Charles Manson shirts and, you know, that whole fucking scene, it, like, it just, it's like, dude, you know that they murdered a pregnant woman, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, that's not something that you should be fucking proud of. He, you know, whenever I saw a black kid with a Charles Manson shirt on, I just shook my head. Cause, yeah, like, totally. It, you you get you, what Helter Skelter is, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Uh, I, you know, but... Uh, again, you know, it's, you know immaturity and you know that kind of anti-establishment uh, attitude that I think you know most teenagers have you know because they're trying to rebel and you know with with the culture being as into extremes finger quote as they were at the time everything was extreme so mm -hmm. you know you you have to rebel in some way and the only thing left is, you know, just the, the bottom of the barrel of humanity. And yeah. I don't know, it was it was an ugly time to me, you know, in hindsight. But I remember there being a scene, and I don't know if this was something I fabricated in my head, or if it actually was a, a piece that was cut out of the version that I saw, uh, but where Henry and Becky or Beth... Uh, went to uh, a farm did mm -hmm. that happen it was after they kill Otis they I remember them ending up at a farm and they were staying in a barn and you know Henry ends up killing the people in that wasn't yeah that wasn't in the version I watched but now you mention it you remember that too then that rings a bell with me yeah, they they spend the night they spend the night in the barn and then in the morning I think don't you just see like the bloody suitcase and him driving off? Yeah. Or you see the car driving off and you see the bloody suitcase. Yeah. Yeah. That rings a bell. Yeah, I, I feel like I just pulled some Mandela effect shit out uh -huh. of my butt. You know what I mean? But but I I really remember that. I also uh, I know this has nothing to do with Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. But there's also another moment like that in. Uh, who framed Roger Rabbit, where I remember so I when he's in Toontown, at one point he has a pig face, and uh, I just, I've always remembered it, but I've never been able to see it visually, like ever. Um, so, yeah, um, uh, random aside, I, I know, but... Uh, that, one does, that one doesn't ring a bell with me. Yeah, but I, I and maybe somebody that's listening to this episode can can clarify and, and put my mind at ease that it really did happen, um, that there was a a scene in a farm with Becky and fucking Henry, uh, and it and dear God, if anybody knows what I'm talking about with uh, Eddie Valiant and a pig face, please, because that that shit has been bugging me for a long fucking time. I feel like I feel like there was more to it than her just driving in a car and then well them just driving in a car and her saying I guess I love you Henry. Yeah, and then they're I at the like hotel and they have that mirror moment. 
you want yeah. Some, yeah, you but want yeah, I mean, I've got that moment as well when she says, oh, I guess I love you, Henry, and he's just like, yeah, I guess I love you too. And the uh, the song that they play in that uh, My Mistake uh, was Loving You or whatever, just, you know, where he's just like, oh, let's turn on the radio. And that's the song that plays. Very fitting. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that was Lynn and the Lizards. I could be totally wrong. But I think that's what they say. It was My Mistake by Lynn and the Lizards. If I find it, that'll be the song that we close with. If not, I'm going to use uh, the, the Psycho song, which is like a 60s punk song. Um, or like, you know, surf punk or whatever the fuck they called it. But, um... The $50 one. Ratings, Reapers. Where are we landing? Where are you landing, I should say, on Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer? I think I think it's a I think it's a seminal movie. Um, I think uh, I, I, one thing I, I forgot to say: the theme tune, awesome. Um, also, Phantomass, the director's cut. They do an amazing version of the Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Thing, June. Anyway, um, yeah, I think I think Hen- Henry's like a a seminal film. I think it just steps outside of that video nasty era. It was almost tarnished with that brush, but we just kind of moved past that by the time. Um, but I think it's it borders at times it borders on an art house film. Um, there's clearly nods to uh, a topic we've discussed before the uh, Giallo Giallo mm-hmm. uh, movement um, I, I really really enjoy and highly rate um, portrait um, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer I give it the full five wow mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to go full five I'm going to I'm going to be close to a five I'm going to go 4.3 and uh, where I think that this is a fantastic film I think that the performances are terrific. I felt like there was something, some intangible missing. And it, it, I really feel like it's the story structure. And what I mean by that is that it's just sequences, just moments. There's no, there's no like through line story. And, you know, where they could have easily you know, told a story, it just seemed like it was moments just cobbled together and punctuated with violence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where I, like I said, Michael Rooker, this is his greatest performance. Hands down. Mm-hmm. Tom Dell's greatest performance. Hands down. He's been, I, I, I love Michael Rooker and I've enjoyed him in a lot of things, but he's been chasing his performance his entire career. Yeah. Really and, and you know, it's it's a film that really is a gut punch of a movie. Like when mm-hmm. you watch it, you really feel kind of gutted emotionally while watching it. But from a story and structural standpoint, it is lacking in in an overall like it. It feels like there's there's the the gristle of of a story aren't there to have it naturally flow if that makes sense where it, it doesn't yeah. feel like like the editing was was on point to the point where you're you're getting a full-on story it just feels like moments and you know 
like the you know the the rape of Becky, murder of Otis. That's that's a movie in itself. You know mm-hmm. the the stuff where Henry and Otis go on like a kill crazy rampage. That's a movie in itself. You know the stuff in the beginning. That's a movie in itself. And then stuff with Henry and Becky is a movie in itself. But it's all these different movies cobbled together and punctuated by violence. And, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but that's the reason why it doesn't get a full five for me. Okay. Okay. But, plugs, madame. Madame. Plugs! And yes, uh, I called you I, madame. Madame? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Madame Punk. <laughs> Your son Madame. means boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I actually have punk. Uh, I have punks. I have plugs these days. Um, I can be found every Sunday on geekcityindustry.com, exclusively on geekcityindustry.com. That's right. Um, talking shitty, shitty films on Shit Film Sundays Two Shit Harder with my colleague Bryn Bryn O'Rourke. Um, we have sampled such delights thus far as, uh, Superman 4, uh, The Last Vampire on Earth, and, um, what was another one we did? Uh, oh, Terminator 2. <laughs> not not, not the one. one you're thinking of, you guys. The other one. Yeah. The, it, um, you said you were doing Shocking Dark to me, and you, you can even tell them that I fucking practically jumped out of my chair. <laughs> like, like uh, I was just like, yes, bitch! Somebody finally. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a special little movie. Yeah. Um, you know, Terminator Two, the aliens rip off. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, rarely do I wish to be on one of the episodes of Shit Film Sunday, but that was definitely one of the episodes I wished I was on. It, it just, uh, you know, I love that movie for all of the wrong reasons. And, uh, yeah. But lots of fucking winners on your show. I'm sorry. Back to your plugs. Um, so, yeah, that can be found, obviously, on com. Drops every Sunday. And you can find information on Shitform Sundays 2 Shit Harder. If you search that on the, uh, the little search bar on Facebook, you'll find our page there. Give us a little like. And you can find us on um, Instagram also, Shitform Sundays 2. Um, so yeah, so give us, give us a like on those pages, review us where you find podcasts, but I suppose listen to the fucker first and then, uh, leave us a review and tell us you like it. That's, that's the main thing I'm, I'm plugging at the moment. Um, that's pretty much it. That's pretty yeah. much all I've got going on. That's, that's a lot to have going on. And you, you know, you're also a new homeowner, a new home. Uh, all is exciting, so that's also you know something he's got going on. But you guys probably don't care about that. I think it's no, cool. Who cares, who cares about that? <laughs> but uh, if this is your very first episode, you listened because you really like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. I hope we did the film justice. But you've enjoyed the conversation. You want to find out more about creature features? You can do that in a couple of different ways. You could start by going back through the back catalog we're available on geeksoftheindustry.com as well we're also on you know Stitcher and Apple Podcasts uh, and all of the episodes are available on all of those devices and um, you know find a movie you like hear what our opinions are and you know leave a review uh, comments 
all that kind of stuff in whatever streaming service you use or subscribe to and definitely subscribe to the show um you know tell a friend tell a cousin tell an enemy and uh you can also get with us on social media by liking us on facebook facebook.com forward slash creature pod by following us on twitter and instagram at creature pod uh, again, this is the end of March Madness, but whenever a theme ends, as sad as it is to see it go, another fucking theme uh, arrives in its place. And next month's theme is also a theme that we did last year that I, just because of, you know, life was unable to finish. So uh, the theme is... Uh, Bad Moon Rising, which means we're going to be talking about werewolves again. Uh, but we're going to start off with the films that we didn't finish last year with Bad Moon Rising. And we're going to start with the one that we would have closed with last year. And I'm, of course, talking about American Werewolf in London. So really fucking excited to get into that. I believe it's still available on Netflix. If you haven't seen the film yet, definitely do that because we will be... Uh, spoiler heavy, <laughs> I think is, is the way that, uh, that we say it. You, you, you spoil. I know you, you, you kids, you youngins don't like the spoilers, especially for movies that are 30 fucking years old. So go out of your way to fucking watch it. Come back next week and begin the theme of Bad Moon Rising with us and American Werewolf in London. But that's gonna do it for us over here for this week. For Felonious Punk KSC, and for myself, again, my name is Chunky. This has been another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on geeksoftheindustry.com, Stitcher, and Apple Podcast. Listen, someone you trust. Loving you was my mistake. My mistake was loving you.
been good on TV? 